The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to the old Spas Shaw. I am Brandon, and this is my co-captain, Jim. Hi, it's feeling old and spacious as always. Thank you. <laughs> this installment of Old Space Show continues our episode-by-episode travelogue through the first season of Space 1999, that's 1999, where the moon is knocked out of orbit, wandering through outer space, the population of its human-built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home. Today, we are talking about the 23rd and penultimate episode of Season 1, Dragon's Domain. This episode. Space typewriters. This episode. Flashbacks on Earth. This episode. Admiral Ozzel. This episode. Dragon Monster Thing. This episode. More white hot indifference. A reminder, we are going through the episodes in the fan preferred production order, not the broadcast order, as found on streaming services. In this episode, discredited Eagle Pilot Tony Cialini is beset by recurring nightmares in which he was the only survivor of a disastrous space mission. Now the moon is approaching the same set of circumstances that Cialini encountered. This one is directed by Charles Crichton and written by Christopher Penfold. Back together again. Our guest star is Sarger Gianna Gianni Garco, which he's got to be that Italian casting thing because I... Looked him up, and I was like, yeah. Ah. Well, he was in a bunch of spaghetti westerns. He was in the Sartana movies. Right. No, I'm Sartana, your angel of death. Sartana's here. Trade your mm-hmm. pistol for a coffin. So, I mean, those are some, like, low-budget spaghetti westerns. He's probably best known for that, I would imagine. Right. He was in the Hercules starring Lou Ferrigno. Okay, yes. Yeah, I did see that. So, he's got that going for him. He's in stuff. So, uh, Douglas Wilmer's here, and you might know him from Octopussy, El Cid, Jason and the Argonauts, Golden Voyage of Sinbad, the TV show UFO, Patton, Vengeance of Fu Manchu, Bride of Fu Manchu, The Avengers, Sherlock Holmes, The Saint. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff going also, on. Uh, the, also, uh, the classic Harryhausen movies, uh, Jason and the Argonauts, he played Peleus, and uh, mm-hmm. Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Yeah. So I grew up watching those. So. Mm-hmm. And we got Barbara Kellerman. Uh, she's in a bunch of the Narnia BBC television adaptations, The Oblong Box with Brinsett Price and Christopher Lee. And she was in uh, Hammer House of Horror, the Quatermass miniseries in 1979, and General Hospital. But you might probably recognize best Michael Sheard. <laughs> 
You don't know the name, but you know the face. Oh, yeah. He is Admiral Ozel in The Empire Strikes Back. Hitler in The Last Crusade. He's also in Raiders of the Lost Dark. Green Ice. He was on Coronation Street. Six different Doctor Who serials through William Hartnell, John Pertwee, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, and Sylvester McCoy. And he was on The Sandbaggers, which I've mentioned before, and Blake Seven. But it's Admiral Ozel. Totally. He gets force choked by yes. Darth Vader over a Zoom call. Comedic. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, yes. He, he is the guy that dies to put one of my favorite characters, Captain Piet, in charge. You mean Admiral Piet. Admiral. <laughs> Prankster Vader. He knows how to motivate his team. <laughs> yes. This episode, uh, we mark where we're at in the series at day 877 from the Journal of Helena Russell. Uh, we have a typewritten log. We see her typing on World Space Commission letterhead. <laughs> I wrote this down. It says it has the seal of the World Space Commission. And it kind of looks like the man from Uncle Seal with like a globe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it has medical form at the top. Okay. So it's the World Space Commission medical form and manual typewriter. Please continue. (laughs) She's telling us the story of Tony Cellini, believing he was having a second bout with his mortal enemy. And we see this dude waking up in his room, sweaty and this light swirling around going on and freaking him out. And he grabs a tomahawk off the wall and attacks as communications post instead. Yeah. Tomahawk on the wall. Because everybody's got a tomahawk in space. Right. Yeah. Here's your your space suit. Here's your dry ice cream. Here's your tang. Here's your tomahawk. (laughs) Uh, So Russell checks in on him, but he's like, oh, it's just a dream. And he wanders out of his room and goes to enter an area and socks Carter in the stomach and knocks him down like two episodes in a row. You're going to do this to me? And and foreshadowing, Alan gets it again later in this episode too, man. He does. From Cellini. Taking a beat. The writers do not like him right now. No. They're probably a sick one. He's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna get him get let beat let him get beat up every episode. I guess in the future when you play chess, all the chess pieces are squares now with the pieces drawn on them. Because mm. we have Kano and Koenig playing chess. Um when they oh. find out about Cellini like running around doing stuff, you know, Koenig's all like you finally get to play against somebody against, except for a computer, you know, and he goes, oh, I always beat computer. And he's like, but that's because you programmed it. <laughs> uh, so they have a little repartee over chess. That was, that was great. But the chess pieces were really cool. They were like these, they almost look like Duplo blocks. Mm. They had the chess, what they were like the uh, drawing on. I wanted, I wanted to like look it up online because the, the design was so striking. So he, he bores an Eagle and Koenig gets alerted and his comm is canceled. And Koenig boards the Eagle before takeoff and stuns Cellini. And we go to Med Bay, where Helena argues that he is in da- a danger to the crew. But Koenig is in awe of who he has been before this traumatic mission to the planet Ultra. He was an astronaut, a poet. <laughs> he, was, he loves him. I'm just like, really? poet huh wow cool yeah. <laughs> but um this is the first time i've ever seen like koenig and helena really go at it like oh this. yeah oh yeah like they pissed yeah and she says she was part of a team that saw him after that mission he had and evaluated him to dampen his reputation and then K- Kodak storms off right 
We learned that John and Cellini worked on this ultra probe in 1994. And then we got a flashback to March 9th, 1996. I remember it like it was 24 years ago. And you know how it's the past. They wear jackets a lot of the time. They still have CRT TVs, though. Right. It was only a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're a little more casual, too. You know, when they're walking around, they're like, like, Katie's not as formal. He's like, you know, cutting up and like. Well, kinda... he's got a different uniform, too, right? He's got like a yellow sleeve and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It seemed like they're a little, little looser, you know? Mm-hmm. Bergman, Cellini, and Koenig at a tech station wonder who is going to command the Ultra Probe mission, and they flip for it, and Cellini wins. They're total bros. Yeah. And and we meet the crew. They're all total uh, bros in this. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, we meet the crew, uh, Darwin King, Juliet Mackey, and Monique Boucher. Don't get attached to any of those people. <laughs> right. Or expect them to speak. <laughs> right. We get some new interior craft sets on this probe, and it's uh, beautiful. Oranges, blacks, reds, yellows, and uh, tape reels winding up around the walls. A lot of extra machinery and crap everywhere. Oh, Machine yeah. Machine that goes ping. <laughs> At this point, I'm wondering, I'm like, oh, are we watching the Space 1999 version of, like, The Cage or something? Right. Was this the pilot? Yeah. Everybody, mm-hmm. Everybody's on holiday, so let's throw this in. I was thinking, is this kind of like an Italian ripoff version of 19, like this right. Italian spinoff? Yeah. Spacio, Spacio 1999. <laughs> uh, there's a whole lot of montage and Helena voiceover as they end up finding a habitable planet and lose contact with Moonbase Alpha. Landing was never made, says Helena, and they find a bunch of other spacecrafts floating around and there's no signs of life. And Cellini's excited about the potential tech they could acquire and learn from these crafts. First, they get on the far side of the planet, so they can't contact anybody, really. Because that's kind of key to what happens. And then on the far side of the planet, they see this whole space graveyard, like you said. And it was cool to see all the different ships. I think some of these have been reused a couple Mm -hmm. times. But uh, it was it was cool to see all the different spaceship designs they had uh, floating around out there. That was pretty pretty nice. Yeah, a little haunting looking, a uh, nice space graveyard kind of thing. Spooky. Yeah. yeah, and they they dock with one of the ships and they open up the lock. It's windy and the shiny spinny thing comes through and it. Not the evil swirlies again, no. Yeah, it, it, like forms into some tentacled monster with a a light in the middle. Again, I know I keep making MST references when we talk about science, Space 1999, but there's an episode of Mystery Science Theater called The Creeping Terror. Mm-hmm. And the monster in The Creeping Terror is very much like this one, where like the, the mouth of it is at its bottom and the people being eaten by it kind of have to scooch or slide their way in. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm being pulled in by this. Obviously, I'm not totally scooching myself in or acting in any way. Sorry. Oh, no, it's fun. So it uh, devours King and spits out a skeleton. And that's kind of cool. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, Juliet attempts to blast it, but nothing works. And it hypnotizes her to come forth and eat her and spit her corpse out. Same thing kind of happens with Monique. But, you know, Cellini almost gets in time there to save her. He escapes. He grabs a hatchet. Guy just likes little axes. And chops away till he can shut the door to the cockpit, releases it, and it's an escape pod to take off. And he puts himself into an orbit to hurl back toward Earth. And he survived in it for six months. By himself. That capsule smelled terrible. Yeah. Big news. What? We go to Earth. 
like Helena's in the hospital and meets Cellini, and he says, "Don't call me Captain, call me Tony," and then screams at her. Yes, uh, he gets. Yeah, he gets. <laughs> he tells a story which he gets enraged telling. This guy, his acting is not as strong as it could be, and it's it's the scene is kind of funny because of it. Uh-huh. At first, he's trying really hard to be charming. It's like, no, please call me Tony. <laughs> you know, to, and then by like you know two minutes later, you got to believe me. I am not lying. <laughs> you must believe me, or I'll rip your throat out. And I'm like, damn, dude, bring it down about twenty percent. They might believe you then. Well, uh, Koenig and Bergman go to anyway. Earth to argue in Cellini's favor with the World Space Commission Executive Commissioner Dixon. <laughs> that's a that's a guy, and uh, but uh, this head of whatever guy leaves every one of their posts, and we find that once Dixon's term was over, Koenig was allowed back on Alpha, and apparently when he went there in the first episode. Uh, he transferred Cellini there and everything yeah. went away when Alpha broke away and now it's come back. So, well, I mean, K- Koenig and, and Victor get busted. Yeah. Um, they get like busted down. And like you said, he's not allowed back on Alpha until after this dude leaves. And then Cellini just gets thrown under the bus. Like, nope, we're just going to say this is all your fault and blame it on you. Not even entertain the notion that you might have seen something out there. We're just going to blame it on your pilot error and make you take fault. So, bye now. <laughs> Koenig brings flowers to Helena, and she kisses him on the cheek. And uh, I'm gonna need a drink of my water to cool off. <laughs> oh, the white hot indifference. <laughs> uh, Tony wakes up sweaty, and Koenig asks about what happened with his nightmare, and Tony says he was going to face it. Mm. Uh, Alpha comes across the ships that Tony came across in Ultra. They make a command to Sandra, and I'm like, holy shit, when's the last time they gave her lines or anything to do? What a coincidence, by the way. They ran right into that graveyard that uh, is central to the plot and everything. That Didn't see that coming. Isn't it? Nah. In vast space and vast infinite space that they would go right there. Hmm. How about that? How about it? Uh, Cellini shows up on the bridge like so I get a second chance. Koenig offers to take him up in an eagle for their investigation. Helena's worried about him. Tony apologizes to Alan in the cockpit and then sucker punches him. And hits him again. <laughs> again. And something we've never seen before, uh, uh, the eagle detaches from the passenger module and goes alone. And he's like, sorry, John, but it's my enemy. He goes by himself. Yeah. He's Cthulhu by himself. <laughs> Solo Cthulhu. But man, Alan got sucker punched twice in one episode. I can't believe it. That's got to be some sort of record. I got to look that up. Yeah. I just can't get over it. So he lands his pod where it was prior, and he goes through the dark corridors of the probe. He had once been a part of the monster, of course, appears in front of him. He secures himself with a rope and a grappling hook uh, and has at the monster with a hatchet, but it's too much for him. The rope breaks, and he's brought inward, and he stabs it with a dagger. In the Alpha Eagle docks, and uh, everybody has blasters out, but Koenig's like, Helena, maybe you stay here. But she's like, fuck it, and goes with him. And uh, yep, she comes right with him. Yeah, because she has to see what she didn't believe. They show up to witness the monster eating Cellini. Koenig tells him to hold their fire, picks up the hatchet, and chops the eye of the monster, which kills it. Everything just goes dark. But I'm like, why didn't anyone like 
hit the eye to begin with. I, that's where I would have first gone, but um, it's like the one. It's like the one bright part, you know. It's like <laughs> I don't know. And then the other thing is, I, I really wish they had Cellini's like dying corpse saying, "I told you so." <laughs> oh, I did forget. I did forget. I want to mention when Carter came to on that uh, passenger module. He's like, what's that guy got against me? And I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think he's in love. He looks smitten. Hmm. He punched me. Either that or maybe he thought maybe he thought if Alan wasn't there, he would be Alan. You know what I mean? Because oh, he's true. got a good good left hook, you know? That's who I mean. does. All right. So we end with the eagle departing and a Helena voiceover, a pretty shot of the eagle flying from the ships. And uh, she hands a report to Kodak. He she tells him that if they were ever going to find a new home, they're going to have to have a whole new mythology. I think, Oy. and, and uh, we end on, I think Tony would be happy to, to find he put new life to an old myth. Oi. Oi, oi, oi. Brotherhood. Uh, uh. There's like all this forced bullshit in this episode that they put like, Oh, these guys are buds, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, they look like they're buds. They're not just actors who just met yesterday. No, they totally, totally buds. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it was um, a, this was not one of the better. This is not one of the better episodes, sir. It had some interesting stuff, nice. but yeah, it was. Yeah, it, and for the penultimate episode, uh, maybe this is the quiet before the storm. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for this little moon buggy adventure. Jim, where can people find your internet mythology? If you go on the uh, Taylor Network of Podcasts.com, you can catch me every week on Nothing's On with Donnie and Daryl and myself. We uh, go through the week's worth of entertainment and TV and movie news, uh, do reviews, read emails. It's a whole lot of fun. And also you can catch on the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com, the Players Club, a monthly look at the world of video games. We just dropped a big episode all about Cyberpunk 2077. And we're about to drop our uh, top 10 lists of 2020. So check that out at the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com. All right. Hashtag old myth, new life. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brand4KUHD. Written work on whysoblue.com. We have only one more episode of Space 1999's Aww. first season left. So be sure to join us when that concludes next week. <gasps> Pandemonium and Alpha. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to be able to return this jumpsuit. Uh. <laughs> so the Brandon Peters Show returns with more this week. But until then. Base Alpha out. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.